welcome to the Reading for Success podcast brought to you by the Success League. This podcast focuses on books, articles, and other resources for customer success, provides an overview of each, and gives you an honest assessment of whether or not it's worth your time. Hi, my name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Reading for Success. I'm also the CEO of the Success League, a boutique customer success consulting and training firm based in San Francisco. On this episode, I'm kicking off a new book, and it's one of my favorites, The Effective Manager by Mark Horstman. Mark is one of the co-founders of the Manager Tools company and one of the hosts of a podcast by that same name. I'll be covering chapters one through three of his book today. Before I get to the book, I want to kick things off with our article of the week. This week, I'm reviewing Adapt Your Business to the New Reality by Michael Jacobides and Martin Reeves. You can find this article in the September-October issue of Harvard Business Review and on the hbr.org website. The authors of this article look at companies who come out of severe economic downturns um, with growth rather than with negative results. And they argue that these winners are the companies who take a hard look at changes in consumer behavior that will stick after the crisis is over and adjust their business plans to accommodate those permanent changes in behavior, which completely makes sense. So how is this related to customer success? I mean, customers are people, and I think many of us in customer success are already noticing some of the permanent changes that are coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Many of our companies are reconsidering whether or not offices are necessary, and many of our customers are facing permanent shifts in their own business models. I think behavioral changes are something that I consider really at the heart of customer success. So what were my key takeaways this week? I think the authors made the point that it takes an average of 66 days to form a new habit and note that many of us have been working from home three times that long at least. Um, And this is causing significant and permanent changes in habits that form the foundation of supply and demand. I think a personal example is this. I know my grocery shopping habits have changed dramatically. Not only am I buying more groceries because we aren't eating out as much, but I'm only going to Trader Joe's because it's a smaller store. They do a good job of enforcing safety measures and I can get in and out really quickly. I'm so used to my routine at this point that I definitely don't think I'll shift back. I think Trader Joe's now has a customer for life. Um, On page 78 in the magazine, which is probably page three if you're reading the online article, there's a nice chart called How to Identify Growth Opportunities. And this walks through the process of drilling down from a behavior change like spending more time at home to products or business opportunities that are likely to come out of that change. I think this is a great exercise for a CS leader who wants to think about this in terms of their own customer base in order to start getting ahead of how customers will want to engage going forward. Finally, the article encourages focused investment during this time, which is a little counterintuitive given that we're in an economic downturn. But they talk about how successful companies, rather than hoarding cash at a time like this, invest strategically in projects that support the coming behavior shifts. This can be really useful to know if you're trying to decide whether or not to push forward with a new customer success initiative. Now might actually be a time when your senior leadership team is willing to listen to pitches that tie into customer behavior changes. 
So is this article worth your time? I really liked the approach the authors took in this article. CS leaders should definitely read it and consider how they need to adjust their customer success approach to meet the changing habits of their customers. I think that another group who would benefit from this article are CSMs and leaders who are job hunting. By going through the exercise of thinking about how consumer behavior is changing, job seekers can start to zero in on the companies that will come out of this crisis in really great shape. CSMs, you can probably skip this article unless you like learning about customer behavior, in which case go for it. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, today I'm starting to review a new book called The Effective Manager by Mark Horstman, um, and we're going through the first three chapters. If you aren't familiar with Mark's company, Manager Tools, I would highly recommend checking out their podcast by the same name. They have well over a thousand episodes on all aspects of management, and if you go to their website, uh, you can navigate your way pretty easily through all of those podcasts. I think that Mark and his co-host Mike are really down to earth and they're super fun to listen to. So what is this section about? Chapter one is called, What is an Effective Manager? And it is about the two responsibilities of an effective manager. Chapter two is called The Four Critical Behaviors and gets into an overview of those four behaviors that will be covered in detail throughout the rest of the book. And then chapter three is called Teachable and Sustainable Tools and covers why it is important that leaders have a formal methodology for management so that they can bring up new leaders behind them. What do I agree with here? Chapter one really sets the tone for the entire book and starts with the premise that the number one responsibility of a manager is to achieve results. Whenever I ask managers what they see as their primary responsibility, I think the answer I most often get is to be a good coach for my team members, which is a little vague. This chapter talks about why getting results needs to be the primary focus. Although Mark does also talk about how this can't be at any cost and that the other responsibility of a manager is to retain their team. He has a really interesting perspective on the importance of quantifiable goals and he also tackles some of the pushback that he gets on this topic as well. In chapter two on pages eight and nine there's a fascinating quote and it's this quote, our data over the years suggest that generally a manager who knows his or her team members one standard deviation better than the average manager produces results that are two standard deviations better than the average manager's results, unquote. That is a really impressive and pretty compelling stat. Mark goes on to talk about how managers tend not to know their direct reports as well as they think they do and suggests that a good test is to think about whether or not you know the names of all your direct reports children. I think many managers would find that a tough test to pass. And Mark goes on to talk about why this level of relationship is required to drive the strong performance that you need across your team. Another section in chapter two that resonated with me is on page 23, where Mark ties delegation to economics. He suggests that if your direct report could do the work, maybe not as well as you, but well enough, um, that from an economic standpoint, they should always do the work because the direct report is cheaper labor and that is better for the company. And I had never really thought of it that way. I've always focused on delegation as a way to help my team members grow or to spread out the workload. But when you consider it from an economic standpoint, delegation is pretty compelling. There's another quote I love in chapter three. And it's this, quote, what does it say about the most important 
systemic behavior in every organization, and they're talking about management, that the majority of us learned how to do it from others who were never taught it and who privately worried that others would discover that they didn't truly know what they were doing, unquote. I love that one. Mark spends this chapter making the case for having a discipline of management and tools to support it so that a manager can be better in their role, but also so that they are training and bringing up new managers behind them inside their organization. This is the multiplier effect that is so often missing in companies that we work with, and I'm guessing most companies in general. So what do I disagree with here? These three chapters make up the introduction to the book, so there really isn't much to disagree with in this section. My only note is that this book is written in the way that Mark talks on his podcast. It's super direct and casual. It isn't like most business books that you've read, so depending on your preferences, you may or may not like the style of writing here. Is it worth reading? I think that any CS leader should read all three of these chapters and evaluate then which parts of the rest of the book to focus on. New managers should really deeply read chapters one and two. And if you're considering becoming a manager in the future, read chapter one to get a very good feel for what management is really all about. It's super realistic. Uh, It's one of the best overviews of management, frankly, that I've ever read. Executives, this section I think is even worth a read for you. Um, These are the behaviors that you want to drive across the managers who work for you. And this book can provide you with the tools that you need to build out your leadership team. On the next episode, we'll be covering a new article as well as chapters four through six of this book. Uh, These are the chapters on -on one-on-one meetings. You're going to definitely want to join me to hear about that. And if you want to read along, you can find this book on Amazon and Audible. This is one that I think it's okay to listen to and you won't be missing a whole bunch of visuals in the book. Since this is a newer podcast, if you like it, please take a couple of minutes to rate it and subscribe. This really helps us get the word out. I would also love feedback on the timing, format, or content of this podcast and book suggestions. Just email me at kristen at thesuccessleague.io. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join Reading for Success next time.